Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 184. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary. Going to be hanging out with you to talk about the Jets' initial 53-man roster. Got to make sure that this is uh, well-known and well-put out there. This does not necessarily mean this is going to be the 53 guys who are going to be there on opening night. Hopefully we'll put to bed any panic that you might have. I want to talk about Bryce Huff because supposedly different teams around the league were interested in Bryce Huff and tried to... Uh, call the New York Jets and try to land him, and I'm glad the Jets said no to that. And of course, we'll do your voicemails as well, but before we get into all of that, a word from our sponsors over at Manscaped. Attention fantasy football fanatics, as draft season approaches, my draft was two nights ago, by the way, don't neglect the most important draft pick of all, your game balls. Come on, guys. We all know how injuries can ruin a season. So let Manscaped take care of that Reggie Bush of yours with the skin safe technology. This should guarantee that you have a smooth ride to the playoffs. The leaders in below the waist grooming have created a championship lineup with their performance package 4.0. And it's time for you to do the same. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with my code jets 20. That is J E T S. 2-0 for 20% off and free shipping. Pick yourself up something, especially maybe the performance package 4.0. Get the whole thing. That's that's my favorite, the 4.0. The good stuff. All right, let's hop into today's episode. I am excited to talk through some of the biggest surprises to me that I thought anyway when going through uh, this roster right now as currently constructed. The big thing that came as a surprise to me is that the New York Jets are carrying seven Wide receivers. There was debate about who's going to be wide receiver six or when Corey Davis was here. It was, is it going to be Gibson? Is it going to be Brownlee? Is it going to be Irv Charles, Malik Taylor, Alex Erickson, Jerome Knapp? Like, you know, Cap, you go right down the line. It was like, is it this guy, this guy, this guy? And then we got to the point where it's like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be hard to figure out this roster. Maybe they only carry five guys. Maybe only five. Well, they said... Strike that. We like Corey Davis leaves, and instead we're going to carry seven wide receivers. So not only do the main four make it, the main four being Wilson, Lazard, Hardman, and Cobb, but you get Jason Brownlee, Xavier Gibson, and Irv Charles. Irv Charles makes the squad. That was a little bit of a surprise. No, I thought, you know, I thought six was probably pretty likely that Gibson's spot because of how he performed in the preseason and what he's able to add on special teams. That wasn't a surprise at all to see him make it. Brownlee, I was happy, obviously, that that he made it. I was uh, a fan of Jason Brownlee, but I thought he was a little bit quieter in the preseason as opposed to the training camp practices, so maybe they'd hold that against him. But Irv Charles and Jason Brownlee make the squad, and no Malik Taylor. Malik Taylor, Aaron Rodgers' uh, buddy from from Green Bay. You would think, oh no, here come, here he comes. He's gonna make the team now, but <clears throat> that, that's not the case. It's gonna be seven wide receivers. It's gonna be Gibson, Charles, and Brownlee. And now again, in a perfect world, I would really like the Jets to make a addition at some point for this wide receiver room. Uh, I still think that's necessary, uh, and maybe that then knocks Irv Charles off the the roster at that point, but. They like their UDFAs, and good for them. Honestly, good good for them, for to Joe Douglas, for finding these guys as undrafted free agents. It's not easy to find guys in the draft, let alone undrafted free agency. 
uh, and they found you know guys who they really like a lot, so much so that they're willing to give a roster spot to on a team that is competing for a Super Bowl. So that's really exciting. Again, Gibson with his special teams ability, and man, did he really show out in that game against the Giants? He looked good. Uh, Brownlee, you know, is that jump ball, big body guy who can you know make those insane catches, and Irv Charles. Kind of similar to Jason Brownlee, but I think Brownlee has more yards after the catch ability, so that's how I differentiate the two. The semi-interesting thing, when the Jets were cutting this thing down to get this roster to 53, they took a very interesting approach. They were sitting at 55 for most of the day yesterday. Pretty much everyone knew that it was going to be you know, who the 55 guys were. They just had two more cuts to make. And of course, you know, I wanted to do uh, a live stream. So I went live at three o'clock, knowing that at four o'clock, the New York Jets, that's when the decisions are, are made. That's when it has to be sent into league by figuring at some point we will find out. I was on for about an hour, 38 minutes, over an hour and a half. Finally, I was like, you know what? Like, I guess, you know, enough's enough because I have to record just Jets, and then I have, uh, you know, talking Jets at 8, and then the Hard Knocks, and then the Hard Knocks live stream after, and eventually I'm like, guy, I got to hop off, I got to eat something, I got to record the show, I got so much left to do, like, okay, uh, now's enough time, I gave it an hour and a half, almost hour 45, let's hop off and, uh, you know, get prepped. No sooner do I hop off do we find out who the New York Jets actually decided to cut. That's always how it goes, isn't it? But it was Thomas Morstead and Nick Bodden. And now, naturally, because that seems weird to the naked eye, you would think, oh my God, Morstead and Bodden cut. I thought the Jets were carrying a fullback, Matt. Who's going to punt the football? Are they going to have Greg Zerloin do both? What is go- what's happening? What are they going to do? Breath. Take a breath. That's what I said to everyone who, who sent a message in a panic. I, friends, family members, DMs. Uh, and, and this was my, my response, is that it, it's simply a paper move. Meaning they have to get to 53. Then they could put people on injured reserve or the pup list and all, you know, all that good stuff. And then they could add guys back. And the two guys that they decided to use, Morstead and Bodden, are not subject to waivers. So this is only going to be a temporary thing. Like, you don't have to worry about either of these guys getting claimed. It was, I'm assuming, very well known by Morstead and by Bowden what the plan was going to be. That this was going to be the move. And especially because pretty much right after the news was tweeted, you had Morstead tweet out R-E-L-A-X, relax. He knew the drill. He knew what he was getting himself into. So while it was strange, uh, and that's not what I was necessarily expecting when the Jets were cutting it down, uh, to 53. That's what they end up doing. A couple other things of note that I want to talk about from this roster getting trimmed down to 53 guys is a couple of minor surprises because I think for the most part, it was pretty well understood how this thing was going to go for the New York Jets, who was going to be on the 53 man roster uh, and what spots, how many guys they were going to carry. Like the seven wide receivers is a, is a tad on the surprising side, but Really, I think the the biggest one was Kenny Yaboa over Zach Koontz. Now, Green Bean somewhere, I know he's listening. He listens to every episode. I love him to death, and I appreciate him for that. He's got to be smiling somewhere because Kenny Yaboa is his guy. That's been Green Bean's guy for years. So even when he was back at was Old Miss, I believe he went to. Love that. So he did enough to make this roster and. Over Koontz was a big surprise because 
They are obviously by the time I'm rec- I'm recording this, we you know there's no news or updates on if these guys are going to get claimed or where they're going. But the plan is for Zach Kuntz to go on the practice squad. But to me, I completely I understand the Jets willing to take this risk that if he does get claimed, and I think there's a chance that he does, they're okay with it. It's a seventh round pick. It's a dart throw. They took a chance. They brought him into camp. They brought him in for an offseason, you know, training session and, and all that. The whole nine yards. We we know what you know, everything he went to with the, went through with the team. And at the end of the day, he was not one of the fifty three best guys on this roster. And I believe that. I, I genuinely do. Sometimes they get it wrong. Sometimes you know, GMs and teams they they cut someone and you go, huh, I don't know about that one. I, he probably should have made it, but maybe because of politics, he doesn't get in. Blah blah blah. He. Uh, Koontz had the politics over Yaboa, technically, because he was a draft pick, right? But he wasn't one of the best 53 guys. Just plain and simple, was not. He's a developmental guy. And then maybe you could say to me, well, they shouldn't have drafted a developmental guy. And maybe that's a different conversation for another day. But I think it's fine with the dart throw. It's a seventh-round pick. I'm not crying about a seventh-round pick. I'm really not. If someone claims him, they claim him. It is what it is. In a perfect world, you'd like to stash him on the practice squad and maybe, just maybe, he could develop into a red zone target, a red zone threat. He is not a prototypical tight end. He will never be a prototypical tight end. He is essentially a big slot who is a toy because he could, he is a freaking high. He's, what, 6'8", and just can make these unbelievable acrobatic plays. He's incredibly athletic for his size, which is a common Joe Douglas and Robert Sala theme, but he is the fifth best tight end on the team. Simple as that. No doubt that he's a, he's not even a top three. I think that's really the bar for me anyway, that he's not better than Conklin. He's not better than Uzam. He's not better than Ruckert. And Ruckert's the one who's taking the step. We've seen it in training camp in the preseason, and they used a third-round draft pick on him. And with Conklin and, and uh, Uzama, they can get out of the contracts after this year. I think you're probably pretty likely that you're going into next year with Jeremy Rucker paired with one of Conklin and Uzama, my guess would be Conklin, as the tight end duo. And they start to get mixed in some of the younger guys. And that's okay. That's what happens. You know, you bring in a guy for a couple of years to be a veteran, you know, hold over, change, help change the culture, hopefully win a Super Bowl, win, you know, win some playoff games, do something. And, and it works. But I, I, that was a little bit surprising, right? Kenny Yaboa over Zach Kuntz. You would have thought, eh, well, uh, if they're going to carry a fourth tight end, it's got to be Koontz, even though he probably wasn't necessarily deserving of it, but he, he was a draft pick. Jets didn't do that. And I don't blame him for it. I really don't, because I don't think he was one of the Jets' best 53. Something else that was relatively surprising was that the Jets ended up carrying five linebackers instead of four, and both Chaz Surratt and Zaire Barnes make the team. Now, I'm excited about that. I think Barnes flashed in the preseason. I thought he looked solid. He was running around making plays. Specifically, the game against the Panthers, I think he looked the best. But after Hard Knocks Episode 1, it became very, very obvious how much Robert Sala likes Chaz Surratt. And there's always those guys, you know, the, the bottom of the roster guys. And that, not a knock on Chaz Surratt. He has, a, he has a role. He's a depth linebacker, special teams guy, like all that. You need all 53 to have a role on your team. But this is one of Salah's guys, and he was able to fit him in, so I'm sure he's happy about that. You would have to think that Robert Salah has to be thrilled that he was able to figure it out to get both those guys. Now, 
I am a little bit upset that Tradeen had to be sacrificed for whatever Chaz Surratt to make this team. But that's another one that I'm hoping makes it to the practice squad. Because I think they have something there in trading. So, of guys who were released, I, I'll list off some who I think have a chance to be to be claimed or to end up somewhere else. Uh, Dean, Kuntz, Tristan Colon, definitely. Um, maybe Malik Taylor or one of the wide receivers, I would say. Bam Knight, definitely. I, I would I'd be surprised if Bam Knight ends up back with the Jets. I, I I would. I like Bam, but I think someone's gonna someone's gonna claim him. If not, I'm. I hope none of those guys I just list, listed off get claimed. That'd be great. Put them on the practice squad. Sure, I would love that. But that's not always the reality. The Jets lost a bunch of guys last year to these claims, and uh, it, it very well could happen again this year. Something else I wanted to get into before the voicemails is supposedly there was interest from uh, a bunch of other teams around the league on Bryce Huff. Bryce Huff is someone who I don't think the New York Jets should trade. And I've said this a lot because every once in a while, really in like the last year or so, it was the Jets have an abundance of on the defensive line. They drafted Will McDonald. Well, they drafted Jermaine Johnson, then they drafted Will McDonald. They're only using this guy sparingly. Why not flip him for a pick? And if this was three years ago, right, and you, you're staring a 6-11 and season in the face or, or something like that, and you know that you're a couple of years away from competing, fine. I'm not. You're not going to sign him. Take the, take the draft pick. Take the draft pick. Let someone else pay him. The Jets are not in that spot anymore. They are competing for a championship. I don't care the draft compensation that you could potentially get back for Bryce Huff. It doesn't matter to me. Because moving Bryce Huff hurts your chances of winning a championship in 2023. The draft pick you are getting, no matter how good it is, is not impacting the 2023 roster. It is only making your 2023 roster worse. And if your goal is to get Aaron Rodgers and your goal is to compete for a championship, you can't do things to then make your roster worse. You can extend him in season, which I would highly consider doing because Carl Lawson's likely a goner after this year. You could have uh, JFM and Will McDonald be, uh, excuse me, uh, strike that. JFM could also potentially be gone. I'm at Jermaine Johnson, JJ. JJ and Will McDonald as your ends with Bryce Huff getting mixed in a healthy amount. You have the perfect pipeline now to rotate these guys in, and there is not a better situational pass rusher in the NFL than Bryce Huff, who had 36 pressures last year on just 191 snaps. All this guy does is on third and fourth down, especially get after the quarterback. When you are trying to compete for a championship and when you have leads late in games and you're trying to close out games, you're going to put in these guys. You're going to have these packages where you get your speedsters out there and let them go. Is he an every down player? No, he's not. He's not a good run stopper. I'm not saying he ever has to play 70% of your snaps, but he is a damn good rotational player who is going to help you try to win a championship this year. 
I am so tired of the fans who are like, oh well, well if you could recoup a, a you know draft picks for next year, or what are they going to do when Aaron Rodgers retires, or well what about when you have to pay all these guys? Who cares? I don't care. We have watched garbage football for 12 years, missing the playoffs from 2011 through 2022. I stop worrying about things that don't matter right now. It doesn't, it's not going to do you any good. Enjoy what is lined up to be one of the more enjoyable seasons in recent Jets history. Probably their most enjoyable season since 2010. The only little inkling of enjoyment that you could have got in the last decade plus was the first half of last year and 2015. That's it. Pretty much for the most part, everything else is a disaster. 2011, they they crapped the bed down the stretch, stunk in 2012, boring teams with Geno in 13 and 14. 16, they tried to run it back with the 2015 crew, and they all hated each other. 2017 tore it down to the studs. 2018 and 19 and 20 had a young quarterback in Sam Darnold, the Todd Bowles and Adam Gase, an abysmal roster. And then you had uh, Zach Wilson for uh, his rookie season. He gets hurt. The team stinks. Salah's defense was terrible. They take a little bit of a step forward. And now we're here. Enjoy it. For the first time in your life, enjoy excellent quarterback play. I don't care about not getting a draft pick back potentially for Bryce Huff and, oh, what if you lose him for nothing? You'll get a comp pick if someone pays him. What if you lose him for nothing? You're not going to lose him for nothing. And maybe you'll extend him. Or maybe, you know what? Even if, let's say, let's say he does walk in free agency and you do lose him for nothing, even though you're going to get a compact back, a comp pick back for him. What if you win it all this year? Isn't that the goal? Go for it and try when the jets, when the confetti's falling down, I'm not going to be thinking about, um, like, Oh yeah. Bryce Huff might walk for nothing. Or what are they, what are they going to do with it? If Rogers leaves in a year, what's the plan at quarterback then? Or, Oh, oh, oh my God. What are you, you going to do about that? Stop. I am begging you, please, to stop. It drives me absolutely insane. Just focus on what's in front of you. They set themselves up for a window of opportunity with Aaron Rodgers, and the best way to capitalize on that window of opportunity is with Bryce Huff on the roster. I know I kind of went off on a tangent a little bit, but it all kind of links back to the same thing. Stop living in the mindset of when the Jets stunk and were under 500 and trying to recoup value and trade everyone away. It's not like when they were trading, you know, Jamal Adams, Leonard Williams, Sam Darnold, all these guys and building the, the pick. No, this is what you acquire assets for this right now. Enjoy it. Please just enjoy it. With that, let's get into your voicemails. First one, we're going to go out to Blaze, who is calling in. He has a he has a little bit of a nickname. That's where we're going to go with. The nickname for the Jets defensive line. Blaze, what do you got? Matt, this is Blaze Lampman from Fonda, New York. My last name is L-A-M-P-M-A-N. My first name is Blaze, B-L-A-Z-E. Welcome, Blaze. I think I have the perfect name for the for the Jets' defensive line. The Monsters of Destruction, M-O-D, for Monsters of the Destruction, short Mod Squad. All right, uh, my phone number. Oh, no, no, we don't have to give out that phone number on the show. I don't know if you want to do that. I'll put that out on the show. But, all right, the Mod Squad, Mod Squad, Monsters of Destruction, pretty good. Pretty good. I don't like the idea of the sack exchange 2.0 because I think 
Like when I think sack exchange, I think of the 80s era Jets. I think this should be its own thing. Mod Squad. There was another, uh, someone on the Jake Asman show had a good one. It was like the Gotham Giants or something. Not the Giants, but Green Goblins. Something. It's interesting. I, I But M- Mod Squad, Monsters of Destruction. That's pretty good. It's a pretty solid one. I like that. Yeah, this unit has to have something. I don't like the sack exchange. I don't like rebooting things you already had. Sack exchange is is, is Klecko, Lions, and uh, Gastino and Abdul Salam. That's that's the that's the sack exchange. It's not you know th- this unit. This is its own thing. Let, we got to let it be its own thing. We can't just uh, continue to just run back all these things that we've uh, tried it tried in the past. Let's. To up next, we have, and thank you, Blaze, for calling in. Appreciate it. Let's go to Brian in Florida who wants to talk about Davis retiring and some potential options. Okay, let's do it. Hello, Matt. I'm a huge fan of your show. Uh, my name is Brian from Florida. Thank you, Brian. I have a question. Since Corey Davis retired, what are the odds of maybe the Jets getting Jarvis Landry or Brian Edwards? Mm. He's young and has a bunch of talent. What are the odds of Jets maybe finding someone to replace them? Because receiving debt is now a concern. Yeah, I agree that the receiving depth is now a little bit of a concern. Uh, I would hope that they take a little bit of a bigger uh, swing than a Jarvis Landry or Brian Edwards. Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, he would pretty much be your your slot receiver he didn't play a whole lot last year only nine games last year 272 yards in nine games had 570 in in 12 last year but you know really solid receiver from from 2014 through pretty much 2019 2020 but uh it's beginning to to fall off a little bit Uh, i don't know if i think there's a reason why he's still available injuries have kind of taken over at this point in your career and you know, slot receivers over 30 years old who are a little bit on the smaller side isn't usually ideal. Uh, as for Edwards, he had like one okay season, but now he's going to be on his third team in what four years? How many? He's been in the league since 2020. Uh, he had 193 yards, 571 in 2021, traded to Atlanta. Played in seven games for Atlanta, had 15 receiving yards on three catches, uh, and was just cut. I don't know, something's off there. I don't, I wouldn't. I don't think I would touch that one. I don't think I would touch that one with Brian Edwards. There's definitely talent there. Uh, I I remember in the 2020 draft doing the prep. I I liked him as a mid round receiver, but I don't think that's the move. That's not the direction that I would go. I would hope the Jets would take a a bigger swing. It doesn't even ha- it doesn't have to be a Mike Evans or a Devontae Adams. I think that would be really nice, but I would hope it would be for a little bit more of an established wide receiver who has a little bit of some a little bit more of something left in the tank. Uh, I, I don't. That's kind of bargain bin shopping for me at this point. Let's go to. Uh, let's go out to John Cullen in from Tennessee, and he has a trade option or wants to talk about trade options. All right, let's do it. Hey, Matt. This is John out of Tennessee. Been a while since I've called. 
Um, I just recently watched your clip uh, talking about the good options for uh, wide receivers, whether it be via trade or cut candidates. Uh, and there's one that I thought you might have not thought about and I haven't really seen anyone think about. And honestly, it's kind of like Devontae. I don't think it's doable necessarily because I don't know if we have what they'll want for him. But if we're talking about Devontae, I think he's just as desirable and just as available as Devontae will be for this team, and that is Cooper Cup. You look at him, he's a top flight wide receiver who did amazing things with Matthew Stafford, and I certainly think Aaron Rodgers is still better than Matthew Stafford. Yep. So I think he's going to do amazing things with this offense, and he's the kind of rock runner that he's a far upgraded version of Randall Cobb at Randall Cobb's peak. So I really think that'd be an interesting addition for another team that we're looking at and saying they're going to be pretty bad this year probably and could be at the trade deadline kind of like Devontae Adams looking at what they might be able to get for him. I think it would take a lot. I think we'd be looking at, you know, a second-round pick this year and a first-round next year maybe. I don't know. But if talking Devontae, I feel that that's someone who I haven't heard Jets fans talking about at all that. Personally, I think it would be a really interesting option. So just curious your thoughts, and uh, as always, go Jets. Thanks, Pat. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for calling and checking in. Yeah, I was just pulling up Cooper Cup's numbers. I mean, he only played nine games last year, but he had 812 yards and six touchdowns. The guy was an absolute stud even when he was out there. Uh, I would love having Cooper Cup on this team, the 1,900 yards and 16 touchdowns the year before. But even with Jared Goff, he had 974 and 3, 1,110, 566 in eight games, uh, 869 and five touchdowns is his first year in the league in 2017. He's a good one. I don't. I wouldn't put this one as super likely, but you're right that not a lot of people have talked about it. But if something nuts were to happen and he is available and it looks like he's you know healthy and playing well, then I think it's something that you have to consider pursuing. Depending on what the you know, it's all contingent on what the price is. And you're right; he would immediately become the number two wide receiver on this team. He's better than Randall Cobb, Nicole Harbin, Alan Lazard, all those guys. He's better than all of them. I I, I think I would take a chance on it. I think if available, I would take a chance on it on the right price. I'm not saying you give up in a first necessarily, but if you could work something out in a trade for Cooper Cup, interesting. Let's go to Main Jet. Main Jet is calling up next. He wants to talk about turnovers. Oh, that's a good one. All right, let's do it. Let's talk turnovers. Hi, Matt. This is Main Jet calling. I just wanted to point out what has always plagued the Jets and really what I'm hoping to see on day one. And I think a lot of this, you could assume, is probably going to be corrected. But we won't know this until they're on the field. Um, I've spoken to you about this before. Number one, it takes them usually about a third of the game to get their offense going. I hope that with Aaron Rodgers that will change. Um I've also noticed that they're always on the wrong side of the turnover battle. But here's the other thing, is that the defense, and even last year with the top five defense, they did not get enough turnovers on defense. We need more opportunities with the ball. We need to force more desperation throws. 
um, various things like that. Interceptions, force mistakes, force uh, opponents to make mistakes, and that's how you win ball games. So, bottom line is uh, they're notoriously slow starters, okay, and they don't get enough turnovers. And that's really what I'm hoping to see right off the bat. Is that because I, I you know, I do believe that their defense is going to be better than it was last year. I don't know how much better you can get. I mean, they were fourth overall last year, as far as I'm, as far as what I read. Um, they could go up a little bit, um, but they just didn't get enough turnovers, even the way that they were. So that's got to change, and I really hope that uh, you know the offense starts to start faster. Anyway, want to know what your thoughts are. And go Jets. Yeah, you're 100% right that if you were to find a flaw with this defense, it would be the uh, the turnover battle and not creating enough turnovers. What I think will help the New York Jets is uh, honestly a couple of things. Number one is they will have a better offense. So their offense will put up more points. And you might be saying, well, what does that have to do with anything? We're talking about defenses and creating turnovers. Well, Number one, the quarterback probably won't turn the ball over as much, which should help you win in the turnover differential department. But putting up more points will then lead to your opponents having to throw the ball more. These teams against the Jets last year, and especially down the stretch, were not in a, put in a position where they were getting into shootouts or where teams were having to come back in games. It was long, you know, draw it out, like a lot of run the ball, a lot of conservative play calling. That's not going to, you're not, opponents aren't going to have that luxury anymore against this team. They're not. They're going to have to try to throw, and that's when you send the dogs loose of all the you know those pass rushers that you have, and that's when you have Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed and your your secondary be able to make plays, and that's I think it's going to go hand in hand is a better offense, scoring more points, making your opponent throw the ball more against you, and go from go from there. Will McDonald could add strip sack ability. Bryce Huff has that with the speed that he has off the edge. Uh, I, I think they will create a little bit more turnovers. I don't know if you're going to see like you know Sauce Gardner with a nine interception season, but I, I think we will see. I don't know, maybe four or five from from Sauce and another four from DJ Reed, and that's that's better than the two and one that it was last year. Michael Carter had a couple, and and hopefully Tony Adams roaming back there at free safety could get in the mix a little bit. Uh, and, and make some make some plays back there, um, but that that's a good one. And starting fast, I think Rodgers will, will help and Nathaniel Hackett, because Lafleur's opening scripts were terrible; they were not very good. I was a fan of uh, Michael Lafleur, but that was the, one of the things that was indefensible. Was his opening scripts? The one thing that Adam Gase had going for him was his opening scripts. They were great. Once they got off script, it was over. <laughs> Let's go out from our best buddy, Billy Bill, Billy Bilstein, is upset about trading. Billy, oh no. Hello, Matthew O'Leary. He's back. This is Billy Bilstein again. Long time listener, second time caller. Now, I would like to follow up on the, the, the releasing of trading. Now, I did not complain or get upset when Joe Chipman, Chipman, uh, was not injured. That's good news. 
But you got to be kidding me, Matthew O'Leary. Why would they release a man like Trey Dean and keep a guy that's named after a famous cookie? Amos should not be on the roster instead of Trey Dean. I understand Aston Davis and why he's good on the special teams. But I want you, Matthew O'Leary, to explain why trading was released in favor of Amos. You tell me why that happened, Matthew O'Leary. And also, why do people call people with orange hair redheads? I always wanted to know. Thank you. Billy Bolstein. A little comedy to close the show. Billy, appreciate you checking in with us. Don't know. Don't know about the the redhead, why their orange hair called redheads. I don't know. I'm looking, it's looking a little bit more brown Auburn these days. When I was younger, it was more red, red, but, or orange. But anyway, <laughs> that's funny. They they like the veteran in, in Amos. They do. And I like Trey Dean. I hope he gets it back to the practice squad. I think it came down to holding more linebackers than safeties. Uh, you knew they were going to keep Ashton Davis. They, they love him. The guy can survive anything. He's been here in 2020, 21, 22. He played 13 defensive snaps last year. Made the roster, though, because he played 75% of special team snaps and was a good special teamer. That's what he is. That's what it will be again this year. He's a third-round pick. They hold that high, and, you know, trading got the short end of the stick. I hope he makes it to the practice squad because I'd like to see him develop a little bit more. I think he has some more upside, but, yeah, they're, they're going to go with the veteran and the draft pick every time. Unfortunately, that's just that's just how it works. Thank you, Billy Bilstein. Well, that's going to do it for me on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. Make sure to subscribe if you are new. And I'll catch you next time.